Hello, welcome to Discovering Jazz, where you and I go on a journey of discovering this exciting music. I'm Larry Seidman, coming from Victoria, British Columbia, Canada. Thanks to Peterborough Independent Podcasters for hosting this podcast, Discovering Jazz. For this episode, my love for the song is showing. Great melodies and lyrics are timeless, and the best can be reinterpreted in so many different ways. Today, I'll present four well-known tunes that are popular with jazz musicians. I'll talk a bit about their histories and play a couple, or even four, versions of each of them. Starting with the extraordinarily beautiful Hoagie Carmichael tune with lyrics by Johnny Mercer, Skylark. Hoagie Carmichael first developed this piece as part of a plan for a Broadway musical about trumpeter Bix Spiderbeck, a musical that was never realized. And Johnny Mercer, the lyricist, according to his widow, took a year to find the right phrases to match this very complex melody. Mercer himself, mind you, had previously claimed that he tossed off the words in less than half an hour. Who knows which story is correct? Maybe both. Here's a version recorded in this in Esquimalt, just out of Victoria, on April 19th, 2021, by Seattle vocalist Solomon Douglas and Courtney, B.C. native Jen Hodge on bass. So if you see them anywhere, 
Won't you take me there? Solomon Douglas, vocals and piano, Jen Hodge on bass. I like the way that Douglas interprets that tune, somewhere between the desperate yearning suggested by the lyrics, combined with that casual conversation with a bird. I found about 700 recordings of that tune, mostly vocal, some instrumental, some very good, some really bad. (laughs) Here's one of my favorites, a very short and minimalist version by the Route 66 composer Bobby Troop, backed by the great Howard Roberts. (laughs) 
Skylark Have you anything to say to me? Won't you tell me where my love can be? Is there a meadow in the mist Where someone's waiting to be kissed? Skylark Have you seen a valley green with spring? Where my heart can go a journey Over the shadows and the rain To a blossom-covered lane And in your lonely flight Haven't you heard the music in the night? Wonderful music Faint as a will-o'-the-wisp Crazy as a loon Sad as a gypsy Serenading the Skylark I don't know if you can Find these things But my heart is riding On your wings So if you see them Anywhere Won't you leave me There Bobby Troop with Howard Roberts from 1955, one of the good versions. So how bad were the bad versions? You be the judge. Thank you. 
actually is not quite as bad as I first thought. A couple nice moments there in the middle, but it's still bad. From 1961, they called themselves the Nutty Squirrels. They were Don Elliott in Granville, Berlin. I guess they were trying to introduce jazz to children. No wonder so many of those kids grew up to hate jazz. One more good version. This is Cassandra Wilson, much closer to the yearning for love rather than the casual bird conversation.
Cassandra Wilson from her New Moon Daughter album, the Hoagie Carmichael Johnny Mercer classic, Skylark. Next, from a show that was never realized to one that truly was, Someday My Prince Will Come was introduced in a Walt Disney cartoon movie of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs in 1937. Once there was a princess. Was the princess you? And she fell in love. Was it hard to do? It was very easy. Anyone could see that the prince was charming. The only one for me. Was he uh, strong and handsome? Was he big and tall? There's nobody like him. Anywhere at all. Did he say he loved you? Did he steal a kiss? He was so romantic. I could not resist. Writer Frank Churchill had a previous hit, Who is Afraid of the Big Bad Wolf, from the Disney version of The Three Little Pigs. Remember this? Who's afraid of the big bad wolf? Big bad wolf, big bad wolf. Who's afraid of the big bad wolf? I'll punch him in the nose. I'll tie him in the knot. I'll kick him in the Oh, I could go off on so many tangents here, such as the fact that this particular tune, Who's Afraid of the Big Bad Wolf, Frank Churchill co-wrote it with Anne Rennell, who is best known for that very complex composition, Willow Weep for Me. But I'll stop here, and let's go back to the subject at hand. Someday, my prince will come. While the Miles Davis version of 1961 has become the best known, as typical with jazz tunes popularized by Miles Davis, he was not the first to record it. Two years before that, pianist Bill Evans recorded it on his Portrait in Jazz album. And two years before that, the man who probably needs to be credited with turning it into a piece that jazz musicians now like to play, Dave Brubeck, from 1957 on his Dave Diggs Disney album, with Paul Desmond on alto sax, Norman Bates on bass, and drummer Joe Morello. Thank you. 
Quartet, a very early jazz version of Someday My Prince Will Come, featuring the amazingly smooth alto sax of Paul Desmond. A very early version, but not the first. As a year before the Dave Brubeck version, a version by an obscure jazz pianist, John Williams, was recorded on an LP called Piano Essentials. I don't know if Brubeck or Bill Evans ever heard that version because their version was so different. Let's just hear just a touch of that John Williams version of Someday My Prince Will Come. Thank you. 
All right, that's an excerpt from the very first jazz version of Someday My Prince Will Come by a pianist named John Williams. I'm going to compare that version and that earlier Dave Brubeck version that we just heard with uh, the Bill Evans version that uh, he recorded in 1959. Uh, you'll notice that the uh, John Williams one, he changed it to 4-4, four, four, and the Brubeck version is kind of almost classical. But this Bill Evans version seems to have more swing than any of them, even though he keeps the original 3-4 time. See what you think. Thank you. 
what a trio. Bill Evans on piano, Scott LaFaro on bass, and Paul Motion on drums. Someday my prince will come. This next George Gershwin tune was first introduced to the public by an audience member opening night of a musical review called Showgirl in 1929. It's called Liza, All the Clouds Will Roll Away. Now, hopefully... The fact that the audience member was Al Jolson and that the whole scene was likely rehearsed doesn't ruin the story. Jolson's wife, Ruby Keeler, was the featured vocalist in this number and some thought that Jolson might have been trying to nudge Nick Lucas, who sang the song with Keeler on stage, out of the way. But probably not. It was likely all for dramatic effect. Today, Not many jazz musicians play this tune, and when they do, they play it at breakneck speed. For example, here is Bill Charlop from 2005, Liza. Want to hear the original Al Jolson version from 1929? You probably don't, but let me play just a snatch of it anyway. Liza, skies are gray, but when you smile on me, all the clouds are all And last, a 1962 Oscar Peterson trio version with Ray Brown and Ed Thigpen. Liza, 
baseball fields See the zoo Old Belvedere You just heard a vocal version of the last tune we're going to feature on this episode of Discovering Jazz. It's a beautiful John Coltrane composition called Central Park West. That version has lyrics by Curtis Calderon, a member of the newest evolution of that timeless vocal group, The Four Freshmen. Recorded in 2015, that wasn't the first time that lyrics were written for that tune, though. I'll get to that in a moment, but let me talk about the tune itself and play you the original John Coltrane recording. Since Central Park West is usually played at a slow tempo, it's a good introduction in playing what is known as Coltrane Changes. In fact, Ron Drotos, who has a great YouTube series called Journey Through the Real Book, calls Central Park West training wheels for giant steps. Although very different in tone, they're similar in structure and, uh, There are a few online analyses of the two tunes for those of you who really want to get into it. But simply, they both change key a lot. But while Giant Steps goes down in major thirds, Central Park West's key changes are a minor third apart. John Coltrane apparently wrote and recorded the tune a year after Giant Steps, which was around 1960, even though it wasn't released until 1964 on an Atlantic album called Coltrane Sound. Here is that John Coltrane version with McCoy Tyner on piano, Elvin Jones drums, and Steve Davis bass. And in this particular track, John Coltrane plays soprano sax. Central Park West. Thank you. 
but my focus for Central Park West is on the very rare vocal versions that were made of that lovely John Coltrane tune. And I have three that I want to introduce to you. I already played one, that short a cappella recording by the four freshmen. Ten years earlier, in 2005, Jose James wrote lyrics and recorded a vocal version for an album called The Dreamer. But that tune was only released on a reissue of the album from 2018. Here is that version, with lyrics that are very different from the four freshmen's rendition, this one being a love song, while the later one was more specifically about Central Park in New York. Here is Jose James with Central Park West. Baby,
Jose James. For the final version of Central Park West, I want to illustrate how a well-known and complex jazz tune can be rearranged, simplified rhythmically and harmonically, yet still be unquestionably jazz. This version by saxophonist Lakeisha Benjamin, with scat singing by Jasmia Horn, has a modal riff of two chords that takes over much of the piece and goes seamlessly back and forth between it and the full melody and harmony of the composition. This is Larry Shadman and Discovering Jazz. Next week, four or five different tunes with interesting stories behind them. Bye for now. Lakeisha Benjamin and Jasmia Horn. John Coltrane's Central Park West.
and a lie. We with it, ain't it lot? Low, 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 lot. Baby, do the wop, do 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 do